we're in a series called Fresh Starts and uh, we need a fresh start, right? And here's the good news. Maybe you're like, well, you know, the year's already in, right? I mean, we're already two weeks into 2022. I guess it's too late for me. No, 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 listen, there's still 50 weeks left, okay? So you can start anytime. Don't allow the calendar to dictate your fresh start. You can decide today, I'm gonna have a fresh start with Jesus, right? Anybody with me? And so we looked at first, first week, we looked at this passage where Paul is our coach and Paul says, listen, in this race of life, how about you follower of Jesus just determine that you're gonna run to win? And he says, that's what I've done. I've decided that I'm not none of this just kind of listlessly walking through life. No, I'm gonna run to win. And he pointed to the world of professional athletes. And he says, look at these elite athletes. He said, they discipline their bodies because they want to achieve a prize that really is temporary, it's fleeting. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And he says, but we as followers of Jesus, we discipline ourselves. We discipline our bodies, we discipline our spirits because we wanna to make sure that we get to the end of the race and have an eternal prize. In fact, at the end of the passage, Paul says, because I don't want to get to the end and get disqualified. Like the worst thing as, as your pastor, the worst thing is that you would get to the end of your life and be disqualified. That God would say, I don't know who you are. I never knew you. That instead we would get to the end of our lives and our heavenly father would be waiting for us. And you've heard me say this every Sunday, but it's so powerful. I want you to think of the imagery of, of your heavenly father saying, I love you, you're my son, well done. Enter into the rest that I've prepared for you. How awesome would that be, right? And so we've been talking about that, that if we're gonna do this, you gotta realize it's a battle. Like this, this isn't just gonna come through osmosis. This is gonna take intentionality. This is gonna mean that we gotta be strategic. This is a battle that we are entering. If you want to have a fresh start, if you wanna be more like Jesus, if you wanna have less of you and more of him in your life, it's a battle. And last week we talked about prayer is part of that battle. That we don't battle against flesh and blood, we battle, we battle in the spiritual realm. And so we looked at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where we have this incredible promise, but this promise is based on the premise. And the premise is, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seeking his face is prioritizing his presence and turn from their wicked ways, then will I, and here's the promise, that I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. I'll bring restoration. I'll bring that which we are all so hungry for in our souls that I will make all things that are broken, I will make them right. But it means we've got to pray. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to prioritize God's presence. We've got to turn from some things that maybe, maybe God is saying, you know, everybody else thinks this is right, but it's not right. And so we battle through prayer, but today I wanna to talk about something else that we need to do. And this is for our good and this is for our benefit and this is because our heavenly father loves us. He wants us to reflect him. He wants us to reflect his character and his nature to the people around us because he knows that we'll have healthier relationships. He knows that we will flourish and we'll experience fruitfulness and fulfillment in a way that we've never imagined if we become more and more like him, because he is perfection. And we are not. Hi, my name is Ken, and I am far from perfection. 
but God wants me to become more and more like him. And so let's look at a passage of scripture. This is such a powerful uh, couple verses that we're gonna be looking at this morning. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, and uh, we're gonna be looking specifically at verses 23 and 24. As you're turning in your Bibles, whether it's on an app or maybe you have a paper form to 1 Thessalonians chapter five, uh, here's the deal. Paul is writing to a group of Jesus followers in a, th- in a city called Thessalonica. And, and he's written this letter and, and now he's at the very end of the letter and he's giving a summary of what he has said. And, and after this summary, after the verses that we read, he's gonna say, hey, keep on praying for me. I need your prayers. And he's gonna greet some people specifically. And then he's gonna say, peace out. But this, what we're about to read in verses 23 and 24 of 1 Thessalonians 5 is really a summary. And I'm telling you, there's so much packed into these couple of verses. So you ready? Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Okay, like half of you did it, that's all right. Okay, here we go, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, here we go. May now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Listen, because God loves you, because he has your best interests at heart and because he loves the people who love you and because he wants your relationships to be stronger than they've ever been before, God knows that in order for that to happen, you and I need to begin to reflect his character and his nature. But those changes, because what we're talking about today is spiritual formation. We're talking about being changed, right? That change, that spiritual formation is opposed by darkness. That there is an evil one who is fine with you becoming a Christian. He's fine, the evil one, our enemy, the enemy of our soul, he's fine with you praying a prayer. He's fine with you even having crocodile tears and oh, I'm I'm a horrible person, forgive me of my sins, be the master of my life. Listen, Satan is fine with you praying that prayer. Some of you are looking at me like you're really confused right now. He's fine with you praying that prayer just as long as you walk out of here the same exact way that you walked in. He's fine with you praying a prayer just as long as you walk out of here being just as selfish as you were when you walked in. He's fine, as long as you still have all that bitterness and unforgiveness hanging on you, that it's still hanging on you when you leave, he's fine with it. He's fine with you as long as you're just as greedy and self-absorbed as you were when you walked in. He's, pray any prayer you want, Satan's fine with that. But here's where he will begin to attack, is when you decide, I wanna become more like Jesus. I don't wanna be the same way that I've always been. I don't wanna define myself the way that the world defines myself. I don't wanna identify myself the way that everybody else has identified. I wanna identify myself first and foremost as a child of God, and I wanna reflect him to the people around me. That's called spiritual formation, and the enemy will oppose it, but God has your best interests at heart. He knows that you will truly flourish. You will experience fruitfulness and fulfillment like never before if you will allow him to change you. Now, here's the deal. When we're talking about spiritual formation and change, I'm not talking about us all looking exactly the same, dressing exactly the same, becoming some kind of Christian clone, cookie cutter. We all, no, no, no. God created you unique. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are unique. 
Okay, again, that can be positive or negative. You are, you are something special, let me tell you, right? You, you are unique, right? Like God, God has, he, he has given you a personality that is unique. We are energized in different ways in this room. Some of you are energized. How many of you love being around other people? When you're around other people, man, you just feel your energy just going up. Anybody that's called being an extrovert. Any of you like that? Like you love being around other, how many of you, when you're around other people, you feel that energy level drain, 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 drain. And you, look, you need time by yourself, like lots of time by yourself. That's being an introvert. Like we are all, we have different personalities. We have different giftings and talents and abilities. God's allowed us to go through different experiences, good, bad, ugly, but these experiences shape us. We have different passions, things that we get excited about and, and you get excited about some things that I don't get excited about as much. And some of you love the singing, you love the worship and others of you, then you love like digging into scripture and what's that Greek word and, and what was that tense? And, and like you love studying and we all have different, God has wired us all differently and uniquely. He's not asking you to become a clone of me and he's not asking me to become a clone of you, but he is saying with this way that I've wired you uniquely, I want you to reflect me. And listen, this means change. <laughs> and we don't like to change. We'll talk about that in a few moments. So, so what do we learn about the ways that God wants to form us, the ways that God wants to change us from this passage of scripture that we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24? I think this passage actually answers some questions about spiritual formation that are really important questions for us to get out of the way. So the first thing, I think this, this passage speaks to the catalyst for change. Like, how, how, how is this actually, how is this change gonna happen in my life? Look, look at the first part of verse 23. He says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And then skip to the beginning of verse 24. He says, God will make this happen. Here's what I want you to get. The catalyst for change in your life is 100% God. Okay, you can read all the self-help books that you want. You can, you can watch all the self-help gurus. I don't even know who they are anymore. Back in the day, it was like Oprah, and, but I don't even know. What she, she's got like her own network or something going on now. And I mean, you, you, can, you can white knuckle it. You can, you can behavior modification, this and that. And, but here's the deal. The catalyst for real change, the kind of spiritual formation that we're talking about is God. He's a catalyst. He's the one who's gonna make it happen. And, and as, in as much as you are focused on the change that needs to happen, maybe there's an addiction, maybe there's a hurt, maybe there's a forgiveness issue. As, as long as I'm just focused and absorbed on this thing that I need to change, I won't change. Because my focus needs to be on the catalyst of change who is Jesus Christ. And he has the power to change me and he has the power to change you. And I think this is really important right out of the gates to recognize that the catalyst for change is God. He's, he says it right there, God will make this happen. Commit yourself to him. Decide that you're gonna be fully surrendered to him. Decide that you're gonna fully cooperate with him. Now here's the deal, he's a catalyst, he will make it happen, but that means my posture can't be closed in like I dare you to change me. Right? Like he's a catalyst, he's gonna make it happen, but my posture needs to be, let it be. I'm fully cooperating with you. Whatever you wanna do, bring it on. I'm fully committed, I'm fully surrendered to you. The catalyst for change is God. Second, the reason for change. I mean, this is really important. Why do I gotta change? 
Listen, none of us like to change. Nobody likes to change. You know, I, I often think, when I think about change, I often think of a baby, right, or an infant. Have you ever seen an infant who, who you know, they're still in their diapers unless you got like a super, like, you know, smart baby who was like, you know, my, my baby was potty trained at nine months. You know, okay, whatever. Mine was like four years old. <laughs> it's like, you really cannot go to preschool until you get this thing down. I won't say which one, even though some of you can guess. Uh, here, here's the thing, like, like, even, like if you've seen one who it's very obvious that they, I, I'm gonna get graphic here, okay, but they pooped like in their diaper. I mean, the whole house is filled with the aroma. You're like, I know that in this sagging, you know, the diaper's got that sag thing going on. I mean, there's like five pounds of poop in there. And they're like, and they start like hiding from you. Have you ever had a kid? They're like hiding, you're like going on a hide and seek trying to find this kid. And you would think like the one thing they would want more than anything else is change. Change me. But the crazy thing is we hate change. Even when we are full of crap. <laughs> right? Am I right? We hate change. And here, so, so here, so why do I got to change? I don't want to change. I like my crap. I like, I don't know. I know you don't like the aroma, but I'm kind of comfortable with this aroma now. Like, why do we got to change? Look, look at what he says. He says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Holy is this word that, that it, you, we only use it in church. It's a church word. You don't use this at Whirlpool. You don't use this at Krogan Bank or in your school. You don't usually use this word holy. What does holy mean? Holy means that I take something out of the mundane and I set it apart for a noble purpose. Now, the word holy is really used in, in the Old Testament when it came to the tabernacle and later to the temple, that there would be, there would be, um, uh, 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 there would be uh, things, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, objects, that would just be average, ordinary objects, but when they were used for the temple, they would be now made ho holy. Let me give you an example of like a spoon. So you'd have a whole bunch of spoons and a priest would come in to a shop or to you know, someone who makes spoons and they'd say, I want that spoon right there. And they would take a spoon that was mundane and average and ordinary, just like all the other spoons. But when the priest would take that spoon and he would anoint it and consecrate it unto the Lord, now this spoon could only be used for noble purposes. It couldn't just be used for fruit loops you know, on a Saturday morning. No, this is a holy spoon. It has been set apart for a noble purpose. Here's what God wants to do for you and I. He wants to take us from that which is average and ordinary and mundane. And he says, I see you and I love you and you're special unto me. And I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna set you apart and use you for a noble purpose, for an eternal purpose, right? In fact, Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes, Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. And in his introduction, he says this. He says, for he, for God chose us in him before the creation of the world. Think about this. God chose you before the creation of the world to be, what's the word? Is it up there? For he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Think about that. Before the creation of the world, God chose you for what purpose? To be set apart, for a noble purpose, for something higher and greater than just the average and the ordinary and the mundane. Listen, God didn't create you for average. 
He created you for a higher purpose, for his purpose. And his purpose is an average. And so the why, you know, when you look at what's the reason for change? The change is God sees something inside of you that you don't even see in yourself. That God loves you. He wants to set you apart. That you don't have to be like everybody else. And here's the thing, like, like that baby with the, with the poopy diaper, we go, well, I wanna be like everybody else. And God says, everybody else is broken. Everybody else's relationships and marriages are broken. Everybody else's finances are broken. Everybody else's parenting is broken. No, I don't want you to be like everybody else. I love you. I got a higher purpose for you. And so, so what if we could be that child that goes, change me. Change me. I see the need. I smell the need. Change me, right? What about, what about the confidence for change? Like some of you are starting to get motivated. Some of you are going, okay, you know, I've never thought about it this way. And, but, but yeah, I, I, but, but I, I don't know. Like, can God really do that? I mean, maybe he can do that for you to chant, but I don't know if he can change me. Like maybe, you know, sometimes you look at some people and you go, well, they would be easy to change. Then you look at some people and you go, that'd be a harder job. But look at what he says here. He says, now may the God of, what's the word there? Are you in your, you guys are like, it's not on the screen, so I don't know what it is. Look it up in your, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He says, now may the God of peace. So right out of the gates, he describes God. This is a description of God. God is the God of, let's say it together, peace. He is the God of, okay, now we got it, okay. But then look at the very end of verse 24. He says, God will make it happen for he who calls you is, what's the word there? He is faithful. He is a God of peace and he is a God who is faithful. Guys, this is so huge. Listen, God, he is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is dependable. You don't have to be anxious or nervous about God changing you, about him spiritually forming you. In fact, you can be confident. You can trust God. He knows exactly what he's doing. And the process of becoming like Jesus doesn't have to be an anxious, frustrating process. And we've all been in churches or we've all been in church circles or environments where spiritual formation is totally anxiety producing because we're comparing ourselves with each other and it becomes a human endeavor. And that becomes incredibly anxiety producing. Listen, God is the God of peace. He loves you and he has an awesome, beautiful plan for your life. He is faithful and he is dependable and he is going to keep leading you and changing you so that you become more like him. And listen, God's work of change in our life will flourish when we learn to trust and relax in his presence. And this is what I want you to get. Because I think for a lot of, depending on the church environment you grew up in, holiness was like this horrible thing. Like some of you still have like, you know, PTSD when you hear the word holiness. You're like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to play euchre anymore because playing cards are evil. That's not real holiness. That's not godly biblical holiness. Godly biblical holiness is God set me apart for your purposes. I'm gonna trust that you are the God of peace and that you are the God who is faithful. I'm gonna rest in you and I'm not gonna be anxious. I'm gonna fully cooperate with what you're doing. What about the method for change? 
The method for change, now we're gonna, I, I'm just gonna give you something I think will be helpful, and then over the next two weeks, we're gonna really dig into the method for change. But I want you to see this, in verse 23, it says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. We've talked about this, but we haven't talked about this. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Paul introduces us to something that for the Jewish readers, they already knew because this is all over the Old Testament and it's in quite a bit of the New Testament as well. But Paul reminds them that we as human beings are three part beings. Now this is really interesting because if, you, if you've been around church world long enough, you know that God is Trinity. God is God the Father, and He's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery, and we don't understand it. He's three in one, and yet He's distinct and different. But humanity, human beings, men, women, we are three-part beings as well, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And, and we see that we are, first of all, spirit. We're going to talk about this in a second. We are soul, right? And then we are what? Body. We're just trying to see if you guys are paying attention. He's writing something on board. And by the way, this marker smells really good. Uh, whoo, I'm being spiritually formed. Uh, so, so here, what, what do these mean? Because we hear these terms, probably most of you have heard these terms. What, what, do, what do these things mean? Spirit is that part of me in which God's presence resides. Now here's the thing, before coming to faith in Christ, before receiving his grace, humbling ourselves, saying, Jesus, I believe in your death and resurrection. I believe that when you raised from the dead, that you proved you had the authority to forgive me of my sins and to be the, the master, the actual leader of my life. I give all of me to you. I wanna follow you. Like when we did that, there's this part of us, I can't, I can't show it, I can't put it on a diagram, but there's a part of us, a lowercase s spirit, where God's presence now begins to dwell inside of us. This is amazing, this is a mystery. And I'll, and I'll explain, some of you who have been around church world, you remember, for me it was, I remember in first grade, I was in Mrs. Vaughn's Sunday school class, I've told this story before, and Mrs. Vaughn at the end of every Sunday school class would ask, how many of you wanna ask Jesus into your heart? How many of you ever had someone ask you that? Do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Now, I, I totally get this. This is, this is great. But for a first grader, a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, in that age group, you think literally. Okay, those kids, their brains haven't yet learned how to think figuratively yet. So everything's literal. So think about me, the little Kennedy chant, six years old, seven years old, and would you want to ask Jesus into your heart? In my mind, Jesus is literal. Jesus is, the posters in our Sunday school class thought that he was Anglo. So he's like got blue eyes. He definitely wasn't Anglo, but he had blue eyes and he had that sash. Everybody remember that, that sash, you know, he had always a white robe, which wouldn't have worked in the Middle East. I know his robe wasn't white, but he, when he comes back, it'll be and so he had this, you know, blue sash and he had this well manicured beard. It looked a little wussy because, you know, they didn't realize he had been a carpenter for, for 30 years. And, and so, and so, but I'm going to ask Jesus. And back then our movies weren't as cool as they are now. Okay. This was early eighties. So I'm going to ask Jesus. And so, you know, the, the, you know, uh, special effects just weren't there yet, but I'm going to ask Jesus to come into my heart. And so this was freaky y'all because I'm thinking Jesus is going to walk in the room and he's going to like, Jesus, 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 you know, like, like, and, and I'm just hoping I don't have a heart attack in the process. 
right? Okay, th- that's not, biblically, that's not what happens. Jesus positionally is seated where? At the right hand of the Father. Physically, positionally, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus isn't coming to live in Kennedy Chance's heart, but he is going to reside in me through his Holy Spirit and his capital S Spirit comes and resides in my lowercase s Spirit. Everybody with me? Some of you are like, I never got that. I never, I thought Jesus was like, hey, little buddy Jesus, you still in there? You know, you okay in there? The blood isn't suffocating you, right? Okay, pum 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 Okay, so, so that's spirit, soul. What, what in the world is soul? So we use, we use the word soul for all types of things, right? I'm not gonna, we don't have time to go there. But soul essentially, biblically, the idea is soul is my mind, Soul is my emotions and soul is my will. My mind, my emotions, my will. My mind, it is what I think about, okay? And it really even is how I think about things. It's not the information, it's not the information that I've downloaded, but it's how I, how I think about the information that is downloaded. It's my emotions, so it's how I feel about things, and it is my will, which is the choices and the decisions that I make about things. After the first service, I had a guy come up to me who is an identical twin, and he said, here's a crazy thing. Like, me and my twin, we're both saved, so we have the same spirit, and we both are identical twins, so we have the same body, but our souls are uniquely different. I thought this was really interesting. How we think about things are completely different. How we, how we feel about things are completely different. How we choose and make choices and decisions is completely different. But this is our soul, right? And then our body, our body is just this temporary dwelling place. We know a lot about our bodies. Our bodies, they're not necessarily sinful. A lot, you know, there's been a lot of theology, especially Gnosticism is all about how sinful our bodies are, but it, our body isn't necessarily sinful, but our body is temporary. It is subject to death. It will someday go back to being dirt if Jesus doesn't come back first. There's a great sermon today. Thank you, pastor. What did you learn today? I'm going to go back to being dirt, right? We're created out of dirt and we will become dirt, right? And so, so that's our body. But so here's the thing. We are used to, before we became a follower of Jesus, our spirit wasn't alive yet. So what was calling the shots in our lives was our sin nature, if you can even read that, right? So the spirit wasn't alive yet, and so the sin nature was calling the shots in our soul and our body. But when we, when we ask Jesus to rule and reign in our lives through his Holy Spirit and his spirit now resides inside of our lowercase s spirit, there's a change that happens where now we want the Holy Spirit that he is now gonna rule over our spirit and our soul and our body come under alignment underneath the spirit. Now here's the here's crazy thing. Like we pray this prayer and God is, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, he hears you, he adopts you into his own family. You are justified legally, positionally before God. It's as if you never sinned. His Holy Spirit is now dwelling inside of you. I mean, it's incredible, but there is still the process of alignment. Pete Scazzaro says it this way. He says, just because you've asked Jesus into your heart doesn't mean that grandpa isn't still living in your bones. 
And so I've still got, what does that mean? My family history, my family responses, my proclivities toward addictions or proclivities toward anger or whatever it might be. I've asked Jesus to come into my life, but I've still got to work out the fact that my soul is tainted by years of the sin nature. My body is still affected this. There's all kinds of science. I mean, atheists who have studied these things that by changing gratitude, they'll, they'll give you gratitude exercises every day. And if you do these gratitude exercises for like 90 days, they see a change in doing nothing else. They see a change in how your physiological body responds to things. It's crazy, right? Like how these things work. Am, am I going, some of you are looking at me like I'm like an alien. Everybody with me? Is everybody with me? Just, pre, you're like, we'll pretend because we want to go eat. So Yes. No idea what you're saying, but we'll pretend. And so I think this, when it comes to spiritual formation, here's a key. The key is asking the question, okay, I've asked Jesus to come into my life, but the sin nature wants to come in and it's still got hooks inside of us that it wants to pull. And so this is why you'll think you're going good. You'll, Man, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And we had a great service and just one little deal will pull you all out of whack. Some of you will experience this before you get out of the parking lot today, right? You're like, you're like, I don't even know if Jesus is in me, <laughs> you know, like, like cast that demon out, right? Like, no, you're not demon. I'm not, okay, we, let's be very clear. You're not demon possessed, but the sin nature still has hooks and, and wants to pull. And so what we have to constantly do is get in alignment. Holy Spirit, I invite you to, to dwell. Your, Spirit, you are already in me and with me. I give you full permission, full rights to lead the ship. You be my master, Holy Spirit. I wanna keep in step with you. And then I want my soul, I want my thinking, my emotions, my will to get in alignment. I want my body to get in alignment. Is this making sense? So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about spiritual formation over the next couple of weeks, but this is really, Paul's, Paul gives us, just in just a little phrase, gives us so much to chew on because the Holy Spirit desires for us to please God. And, and yet there's this battle that we've been talking about. Galatians 5.17, let me, let me just read from scripture to help us out here. Scripture always helps. Galatians 5.17, it says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul is writing to followers of Jesus, and he's saying, which one are you allowing to win in your life? Sin nature or the Holy Spirit? Look at Gal uh, Romans chapter eight, verses five and six. In fact, if you, if you have your notes, man, this is a passage I want you to meditate on this week. Romans eight, verses five through six. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Here's the best way that I can illustrate this. So there is a grandpa who, this is an October, like Friday night. I mean, October Friday nights are like the best, right? And so there's a grandpa who's decided he's gonna spend some quality time with his grandson, just grandpa and grandson, and he's built a fire, and they're sitting in their camp chairs around the fire, and they're enjoying the fire, and they're telling stories, and they've been roasting marshmallows and the whole deal. It's gotten dark, so now it's just a fire, and it's grandpa and his grandson, and grandpa just out of the blue says, hey, grandson, there is a battle waging inside of me. His grandson goes, what? He goes, yeah. There's two wolves 
that live inside of me, two wolves that live inside of me. And his grandkids' eyes are like as big as, anybody remember silver dollars? I mean, there's big, you know you're old if you remember a silver dollar, right? His eyes are as big as, there's, there's two wolves that live inside of me. And then he drops like the bomb, he goes, and there's a battle waging inside of you. There's two wolves that live inside of you. And this grandkid's like ready to like, what grandpa? And he goes, yeah, there's, there's one wolf that is, that is evil and he's selfish and he's envious and jealous and, and wants what isn't his and, and lacks in any kind of compassion. And he says, but then there is a righteous wolf and he is loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle. And, and, he, and he, says, he says, so the question is, which wolf is gonna win? His grandson just looks at him and he goes, I don't know, which wolf's gonna win? And the grandfather drops a bomb. Some of you guys have heard this before. He says, the one that you feed. There's a battle waging inside of you and it's your sin nature and it's the Holy Spirit controlling your lowercase s spirit, your spirit. And the question is, which one is gonna win? And, the, and it's answered by the fact of which one are you gonna feed? You say, well, how do I feed either one of them? By the things you pay attention to, by the things you prioritize, by what you read, the things that you allow into your soul. Like, which one is gonna win? This, this is such a powerful thing to think about when it comes to spiritual formation. Finally, number five is the purpose for change. And we'll, we'll, we'll do this real quick. The, the end of verse 23 says, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. And then there's this phrase, until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Sorry about that, that was me bumping it. Just wanna see if you're awake. Until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. What, what is the purpose of all this? I want, you, I, want to be, I want to be very clear. I want to make sure everyone in this room understands something. Just as Jesus was physically ascended to the Father after his death and resurrection, where he is now exalted at the right hand of the Father, in the same way, Scripture teaches us that he is coming back. He's coming back. And scripture tells us that those who are dead in Christ will be raised first. I don't know how this is gonna happen. Talk about science fiction, like this is gonna be crazy. Like you've, you've seen Thanos, you know, click his fingers and, and you know, a third of the earth or whatever population, someone will correct me later, Marvel movie fans. Was it a third? Like half, disappear, right? And there was like that dust thing where they all just kind of like, you know, you see that like they kind of, it's not like they disappear instantly. It's like this fizzle dust thing. The opposite of that's gonna happen in like real life. It's not gonna be a Marvel thing. Like those who are dead, think about graves. Think about those whose ashes have been poured out in like strategic places. That all, it's gonna be like this crazy, I see it like in slow motion. Like the ashes all coming back together and they're gonna, this is in the Bible, don't look at me cross-eyed. Like the dead in Christ will be raised and then we who are alive and remain will rise up and meet them. And so we shall be with Christ forever. Like here's the purpose of this. The purpose of this is Jesus coming back. And when Jesus comes back, like, can you, what, what are you gonna be doing when Jesus comes back? You don't wanna be cussing out your coworker when Jesus comes back. I'm not saying that because you're cussing out your coworker, it means that you wouldn't be raised, you wouldn't go to be with him. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it'd just be bad form. It'd be embarrassing, right? 
Like when Jesus comes back, I don't, I don't want to be like doing something stupid. <laughs> I want to be spiritually formed. I want to be reflecting his character and his nature. That when Jesus comes back, it is just like this natural reunion. I'm not embarrassed. There's no shame. It's just like, whoa, I was just doing Jesus stuff. And here we are. How cool would that be, right? Listen, Jesus, Jesus' return is imminent. Meaning before I finish my thought this morning, Jesus could come back. This all could happen. Might be tomorrow. I believe it's gonna happen soon, but I could be wrong. I remember pastors back when in the early 80s saying, you know, Jesus is gonna come back before I die. And, and they've died and Jesus hasn't come back yet. So I, I don't give dates and times. I don't do that stuff. I know it's imminent. I know it could happen at any moment. I wanna be ready. Listen, the purpose of spiritual formation, Jesus is coming back, I wanna be ready. And as your pastor, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I wanna first ask this question, are you an active, actual follower of Jesus? Like regardless of what church you've gone to, or maybe you're a member of this church, or maybe you're a member of another church, when you were baptized, maybe you were baptized as an infant, maybe you've, maybe you've given lots of money to churches or, or whatever, I, that's not what I'm asking. Have you, do you remember a moment where you humbled yourself and said, Jesus, I have sinned against you. I'm sin stained and sin covered and I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need you, I need you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be the master and leader of my life. Have you asked Jesus to come into your life? Have you been spiritually reborn where his Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of you? If you haven't, I'm gonna ask you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to stand or come forward. But if, you, if you're here and you say, Ken, I wanna ask Jesus to forgive me, to be my master. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really high so I can pray for you and pray with you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, three of you so far. You can lower your hands after you've raised them. Anybody else that would say, that's me? Guys, that's awesome. That's why we do church. If you raise your hand, in fact, I'm gonna ask this whole room, would you pray this prayer with me, whether you raised your hand or not? And listen, this isn't, I don't want this to be like a formula prayer. You, it's meaning this, it's meaning this. But scripture talks about saying these things out loud with our mouths. So. Would you pray this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he was crucified and he was raised from the dead so that I might experience new life. Forgive me of my sins, cleanse me, lead my life, empower me to live for you. Thank you for adopting me into your family. I receive your spirit. Help me to walk in step with him. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to do, to do me a favor. I mentioned the connection card at the beginning of the service. Uh, if on the bottom, there's a place that says my next step and there's a place where you can check that you're following Jesus. Would you check that and let us know that you're following Jesus? Second thing I would encourage you to do is tell somebody. 
We're gonna have some prayer partners available up here at the front. In fact, if you're a prayer partner, you can go ahead and come on up and get ready. And, and when everybody else is leaving, you come on up and just tell one of our prayer partners or find me or find one of our church leaders or maybe the person who you came with and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. We would love to encourage you and pray with you regarding that. Um, and we also have a, a free little book. There's some up here. There's a table back there. Those are for everyone in our church. You can grab one of those books that talks about how to live for him. Here, here's, here's my goal for you this week. My goal for you this week would be that you would just decide, I want, I want this spiritual formation thing for me. I wanna be changed. I wanna become more like Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. If you need prayer this morning for anything, maybe you need healing in your body, maybe you got someone close to you, a loved one who, who is going through something, you just wanna pray for them. These prayer partners who are available up here would love to pray for you. If we have any other prayer partners available, uh, you guys can come up and, and be available as well. I'll be over here to pray. But here's, here's, here's my blessing. This week, may you be led by the Holy Spirit. This week, may you decide that you're not just gonna keep living the same way that you were before you started following Jesus that you're gonna allow God to shape you and form you and change you, that you're gonna cooperate with what he wants to do in your life and that God would make a change that would blow you away in your life, that you would look more and more like him, that you would reflect his character and nature. God bless you guys, have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week. Next week, we're gonna get into the details of how does this all work. So make sure you come back next week. God bless you.